This episode is brought to you by Pronamel. Not all our favorite foods and drinks are BFFs with our teeth. Salad dressing, seltzers, and fruits can be enamel enemies. So if you eat or drink those things regularly, your enamel could be at risk. And once it's gone, it's gone. Pronamel Intensive Enamel Repair penetrates deep into the enamel surface, locking in vital minerals to repair acid-weakened enamel. And with new Pronamel Repair mouthwash, you can enhance that repair beyond just brushing. Pronamel is the number one dentist-recommended brand for acid erosion, so buy Pronamel Repair anywhere you buy toothpaste or mouthwash. Visit Pronamel.com. This episode is brought to you by Delta Sky Miles Platinum American Express Card. And we here on Savor are what you might call food explorers. It has been our actual job to go to cool places and eat, like, a lot of the food there. And then talk about it. And then talk about it into these microphones, which is a crazy dream job. Yes. Well, if you're like us and willing to travel to seek out new foods to try, you go with the Delta Sky Miles Platinum American Express card. It's for people like us who are in search of the next food adventure. If you travel, you know. Apple Card is the perfect cashback rewards credit card. You earn up to 3% daily cash on every purchase every day. That's 3% on your favorite products at Apple. 2% on all other Apple Card with Apple Pay purchases, and 1% on anything you buy with your titanium Apple Card or virtual card number. Visit apple.co slash card calculator to see how much you can earn. Apple Card issued by Goldman Sachs Bank USA, Salt Lake City Branch. Subject to credit approval. Terms apply. Ready? Okay. Give me a beach. Beach! Give me great food. Tacos! Give me adventure. Hiking! Give me a date night. Sunset cruise! Give me some smiles. Cheese! Give me more beaches. Beaches! What's that spell? San Diego! If you're happy and you know it, San Diego is the place to show it. Book your trip at san diego.org. Funded in part with the City of San Diego Tourism Marketing District Assessment Funds. Hello and welcome to Food Stuff. I'm Annie Reese. And I'm Lauren Vogelbaum. And today we're talking about tamales. Yes. I unfortunately, to my shame, have never had a tamale. Oh, they're delicious. Yeah, I had to listen to a three-minute conversation between <laughs> Lauren and Dylan before we started recording this about how delicious they were. And okay. I was getting angrier and angrier. <laughs> oh, we're, but we're gonna we're gonna rectify it. Yes. Help help is on the way. Help is on the way. Not like today, but soon. Absolutely. And doing the research on this one, I got a craving for something I've never had. A very (laughs) strong craving. I knew immediately I'm going to have to go get some of these. Yeah. Probably a lot of them. A lot. Like every day for the rest of your life. Yes. (laughs) Ooh, boy. (laughs) That sounds fun. Um, So, Lauren, let's start with a, a 1909 song. You didn't know that's where this was going, did you, listeners? By Herbert Ingram. Yes. I'm not going to sing it, and you'll thank me for that. Um, (laughs) But it goes, hot tamale wrapped in corn so neat, hot tamale made of chicken meat. Hot tamale makes you feel so jolly and gay. That's why I say, buy a hot tamat out of a steaming pot. While they are nice and hot, you'll get the best I got. Hot tamales wrapped in corn so neat. Hot tamales made of chicken meat. Hot tamales make you feel so jolly and gay. That's why I say, 
There are a lot of songs about tamales, actually. There's a bunch of early 20th, like early 20th century jazz and blues songs about tamales. I had no idea. I didn't either, but uh, as how delicious they sound, I would sing about them too. <laughs> Speaking of, ooh, what are they? Oh, uh, well, other than tasty, uh, a tamale is a corn flour dough formed into a sort of solid tube or a rectangular cake, frequently with a pre-cooked filling of some kind in the core. Uh, savory things like shredded chicken or pork, stewed vegetables or cheese, or sweet ones made with fruit or chocolate. And then the whole thing is wrapped up tight and cooked by steaming or simmering. Tamales are served warm. It can be eaten cold, too. And the result, it's sort of like a corn dumpling, just pillowy and springy and almost melt in your mouth, but really satisfying. I'm sure they are. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, The dough can be seasoned with uh, stuff like savory broth or spicy pepper oil or sweet molasses or coconut milk. Or if they're simmered, instead of being steamed, the water might be seasoned the the way that you would do in a southern boil, Mm -hmm. like a crawfish boil or something like that. Yeah. Yeah. You can eat them for breakfast, lunch, or dinner. The possibilities are endless and vary extensively by region. There's all kinds of traditions and preferences that have sprung up based on whatever's available and popular in different areas. Sure. Yeah. Sounds like you should eat them whenever you can. I've, whatever I've, you got. Yeah. I Yes. The world agrees. <laughs> the corn flour that you use to make this dough is important, but more on that in our science section later on. Right. The word tamale comes from the primary language spoken by the Aztecs when their empire was at the peak of its power, though the Spanish—it's from the Spanish word. Am I getting that right? Uh, Yeah, well, it's from from the uh, uh, Nahuatl word um, tamale, meaning wrapped, but that turned into the Spanish word tamal, which we kind of— bastardized because the singular in Spanish is tamal. Right. Plural is tamales. And Uh we're just like tamale. That's a great (laughs) word. Yeah. I was very confused at first. Like, (laughs) what? Wait a minute. Um, Throughout Central America, it had a variety of names, but they all referred to basically the same thing, which was a corn dough base wrapped in either a corn husk or a banana leaf and then steamed. Right. And apparently, (laughs) Chicago has a hot dog stand tamale also sometimes called a corn roll, which is very different from what we're talking about here. Or, like, mostly different. They're cylinders of cornmeal encasing seasoned ground meat or or maybe meat substitute cooked in in hot dog carts, steamer boxes, along with the hot dogs. Yeah. So, like, the ratio is a little bit different and the texture is going to be different, but... Right. To all of the Chicago people, the Chicago listeners who wrote in about that mysterious restaurant on Navy Pier that I asked about in Tempe, confirm, <laughs> confirm about the hot dog stand oh, tamales. Yeah, yeah. Tell us about them. Yes. Have you had pictures. one of the delicious send pictures? Yes, absolutely. Ah, oh, okay. Okay, so if we look at how tamales are made, it can be a tad intimidating. <laughs> I looked at one recipe and was like, nope. <laughs> and it's not that it was necessarily difficult in skill level, but there were a lot of steps, a lot, a lot of steps. Oh, yeah. One recipe I saw had 120 steps. Oh. That's a lot of a lot of instructions. Yes. I'm the type That's of person a... that like accidentally skips a key thing. Oh yeah. When I'm reading a recipe and then the whole thing's ruined. So if I had 120 <laughs> of those to make sure I didn't skip. <laughs> Your potential for failure is just, yeah. It's a lot greater. 
Um, because of this, the difficulty, similarly to the dumpling traditions we talked about in our Lunar New Year episode, tamales are often made in large quantities, and the act of making them is a social one. In fact, there's even a name for the social event that is the making of tamales, tamalada. Yeah, and I think traditionally this has been a woman-focused event, like a time for, for the women and girls in a family to, to get together and catch up. Uh, but, but now I think it's more common for men to be involved, too. Yeah. In a lot of cultures, tamales are a, a comfort food, like a serious, serious holiday treat. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Definitely pops up a lot around the holidays. And in Atlanta, two pretty famous restaurants make tamales for pur- purchase around Christmas— Fox Brothers Barbecue and Taqueria del Sol. Ah, uh, I think Taqueria del Sol, the chef there, won an award. He won like the Tamale Festival Award one year or something. So oh. I'm definitely going to check that out <laughs> next yeah. Christmas. Yes. The Guinness World Record for longest tamale <laughs> comes from 2016 Peru with a 130-foot, about 40 meters behemoth tamale. <laughs> the filling was about 220 pounds of chicken 88 pounds of boiled egg, 440 pounds of roasted maize, and 44 pounds of olives. It took 250 people using a 131-foot or 40-meter oven to make and 80 people to carry it to the central plaza. What if they had dropped it? (sighs) That same year, (laughs) National Tamale Day was established in the U.S. (laughs) Uh, in In terms of nutrition, a lot of tamales are made with lard. Uh, in the dough to to keep the dough moist and, you know, make it tasty. Lard is nice. Uh, But this means that traditional tamales are pretty high in fat, especially saturated fat, the the bad kind of fat. And they're usually pretty high in sodium, but they're also high in protein, especially if you've got meat or beans in the filling, and they have a decent spread of vitamins and minerals. So they will fill you up and keep you going. But, you know, maybe eat them with, like, a side of vegetables. Yeah. Maybe don't, don't eat, like, 12 of them in a sitting. Or do and live your life, (laughs) y'all. We give you the information. You decide what to do with it. (laughs) And uh, although although traditionally made at home, of course, there is a a market for packaged tamales, and it is on the rise. I'm sure it is. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I might have. I might have thought about going down that path, but you, Lauren, you said. Don't make your first. Don't make your first one. Yeah, or I mean, you know, I don't know. Again. I, yes. Do, do you know? Do what you can with what's available to you. If right. your first tamale experience is, is a microwave tamale, I'm not going to judge you. It's good to know because I got to fix this tamale problem soon. You really do. I'm going to give it a two week okay deadline. All right. Yeah. <laughs> but the, now that we've established what the tamale is, let's let's go back in history and look at how it came to be. Oh yes, in the way back. But first, let's take a quick break for a word from our sponsor. This episode is brought to you by Pronamel. Not all our favorite foods and drinks are BFFs with our teeth. Salad dressing, seltzers, and fruits can be enamel enemies. So if you eat or drink those things regularly, your enamel could be at risk. And once it's gone, it's gone. Pronamel Intensive Enamel Repair penetrates deep into the enamel surface, locking in vital minerals to repair acid-weakened enamel. And with new Pronamel Repair mouthwash, you can enhance that repair beyond just brushing. Pronamel is the number one dentist-recommended brand for acid erosion, so buy Pronamel Repair anywhere you buy toothpaste or mouthwash. Visit Pronamel.com. 
This episode is brought to you by Delta SkyMiles Platinum American Express card. And we are what you might call food explorers. We are so lucky that a part of our job involves traveling and trying a lot of the food where we go to travel and then coming back here and telling all of you good listeners about it. And through that, we have discovered some amazing dishes. Sure, yes. Like, I had never understood what poke really could be, and it is delightful. It is stunningly good. Mm -hmm. Yeah, which we had a lot of on our trip to Hawaii. Uh, another thing from their passion fruit I now look for in literally every menu that I read. I'm like, yep, that one has passion fruit. Going for it. And then all of the moles, and especially the green mole that you heard us talk about recently that we had from in Las Vegas. In Vegas, yeah. Oh, or just steak basements. Who doesn't love a steak basement? Exactly. <laughs> well, um, if you are like us and you're willing to travel to seek out new foods to try, you go with the Delta Sky Miles Platinum American Express card. It's for people who, like us, are in search of the next food adventure. If you travel, you know. Are you ready to share some joy and celebrate International Women's Day? M&M's has partnered with iHeart for Women Take the Mic, treating you to the most uplifting and empowering stories of women supporting and celebrating each other. And of course, there is a smooth and creamy companion for your listening pleasure, peanut butter M&M's, because they're just another way to help treat yourself in situations where you deserve a little added delight, like listening to your favorite podcast. So grab a handful of that creamy deliciousness. Kick back and spread some positivity into the world. From smashing glass ceilings to breaking records in sports, on stages, and at the box office, women are crushing it in every way imaginable. And with peanut butter M&Ms by your side, relax and keep listening to Women Take the Mic podcasts as you dance your way through inspiring stories, share laughs, and savor the deliciousness of peanut butter M&Ms and the unstoppable force of women. Happy International Women's Day. This is Holly Fry from Stuff You Missed in History Class. The national sales event is on at your Toyota dealer, making now the perfect time to get a great deal on a dependable new SUV, like an adventure-ready RAV4. Available with all-wheel drive, your new RAV4 is built for performance on any terrain, from the road to the trails. And with plenty of passenger and cargo space, plus available tech like wireless charging, you and your entire crew can stay connected. Or check out a stylish and comfortable Highlander with three spacious rows of seating for up to eight passengers. And with available features, like the panoramic moonroof, you can sit back, enjoy the wide-open views with your whole family. Plus, both RAV4s and Highlanders are available in hybrid models, so no matter your style, you can drive efficiently and save on gas. So visit your local Toyota dealer and check out amazing national sales event deals on RAVs, Highlanders, and more when you visit buyatoyota.com. Toyota, let's go places. And we're back. Thank you, sponsor. Yes, thank you. So, the history of the tamale may go back as far as 8,000 BCE with the use of corn as a food in Mesoamerica. By around 6,000 BCE, the peoples there had started to domesticate wild maize and to make masa, that's, that's corn dough, uh, from that maize for tortillas and other foods. Yeah. So... That's a pretty long time. Yes. <laughs> the creation myths of most of the civilizations living in ancient Mexico, including the Mayans, had to do with maize. In the Mayan culture, the first humans were made of mud, but they almost immediately dissolved. Oh. The second model of humans were made of wood, but they were missing one key thing, 
a soul. Mm-hmm. Pesky little thing. Um, <laughs> the next iteration of human was made of corn, and third time's the charm. Voila! Humans as we know them. Ah. Oh. Yeah. No one is sure when the first tamale happened amidst all of this, but it probably would have been steamed in a, in a cooking pit dug into the ground. Right. And in these pre-Columbian Central American societies, tamales themselves were used in rituals and in offerings to gods. Specific tamales for specific gods, too. Right, I love this. I do, too. The Lord of Fire got shrimp tamales. The jaguar god got bean tamales. Interesting. And the rain god got tamales with hoitlacoche, corn fungus. Yeah. Human sacrifices to the god of death and rebirth came with a side of honey and bean tamales. And fun fact about this god of death and rebirth, he used the blood from his own flayed skin to water the fields. That's a that's an involved god. He yeah, he really is. Huh. I mean, he's getting a human sacrifice and honey and bean tamales, but yeah. <laughs> Uh, Then came the Spanish conquest. Some things I read claim tamales were fed to a starving Cortez and his crew. I feel like we've talked about what was fed to Cortez and his crew on so many episodes. So, Like an egregious number of times. Yeah. Yeah. Could be. Could be. (laughs) The Spanish brought with them new cooking materials. Instead of steaming in cooking pits, tamales were now steamed in pots. If the tamale stuck to the pot during steaming, the Aztecs saw that as good luck and that it would grant protection during battle. I read that it was considered bad luck, especially for women to eat, because if they were pregnant, oh. if they were pregnant, the child might get stuck in their womb the way that the tamale had gotten stuck to the pot. Oh, you definitely don't uh, want that. So but but the but the source of this information is not super clear. I kind of I kind of like read it. Mm-hmm. On the internet, um, uh, I, I read a lot of things on the internet that I feel pretty good about, but <laughs> but but this one was was not so. It was a little bit shaky. So I guess assess any stuck tamales individually and at your own risk is the only advice I can give. Yes, food stuff disclaimer of the episode. <laughs> I can't speak to the t- the luck of your tamale. <laughs> Uh, The Spanish also brought with them pigs, leading eventually to the inclusion of lard in the dough. Before this time, it's unlikely that recipes for tamales included much, if any, fat. uh, But going forward, it would become traditional. Mm -hmm. And speaking of traditional, as Catholicism spread, the tamale was repurposed to fit into Christian festivals and celebration. And that's why to this day, tamales are eaten around Christmas among Latino populations of the Americas and for other holidays like Candelaria? Uh, which is a Catholic holiday that happens to align with the Aztec New Year. Oh, it happens to, huh? Mm-hmm. Or Whit Sunday, which is actually coming up in a month or so, I think, from when we're recording this. Oh, okay. Soon. Yeah. Uh, during this time, the tamale diversified depending on the resources available in the area it was being made. As far as the wrappings went, you could find pliable tree bark or banana leaves or even sometimes fabric as well as the corn husk that's common today. Recipes were passed down from generation to generation, and typically they were made by women. Simultaneously, tamales became associated with poverty, so their popularity diminished. And this association lasted quite a long time. A book about Mexican crime written by a lawyer and published in 1901 called Tamales, quote, Abominable Folk Pastry. Ah. Yeah. Abominable. Abominable. This poor outlook on tamales didn't really change until after the Mexican Revolution. 
Tamales arrived in the U.S. via cities like San Antonio or Los Angeles at least by the 1870s when the L.A. City Council was attempting to outlaw tamale pushcarts and wagons. Whew. Yeah. They were a part of the 1893 World's Columbian Exposition in Chicago, and around the same time in the 1900s, Mexican migrants brought tamale traditions up with them through the Mississippi Delta and or they were brought back with soldiers as they came back from the U.S.-Mexican War. Probably that first thing, though. Yeah. As a lot of black people moved out of the South for more opportunity in the urban North, more Mexican workers arrived to work in the cotton fields of the South. The Mexican workers shared tamale recipes with the African-American workers in the area, and from this, a regional variation emerged of the tamale. The main difference is that instead of steaming, the Mississippi Delta version are simmered in a spicy peppery liquid, and instead of masa, that corn flour dough, cornmeal was used. At first, they were only available in the area in the winter, the off-season for the workers, and usually sold off of carts located on street corners where the vendor, the molly man, as he was called, would shout, hot tamales. At one time, these carts were as commonplace as gas stations. And gas stations in the region also frequently house tamale vendors to this day. Yeah. By 1928, these hot tamales were a staple for folks of all backgrounds in the South. Uh, That is when a cookbook called Southern Cooking by a white woman by the name of Henrietta Dull was first published, uh, including a recipe for hot tamales. In July 1937, blues musician Robert Johnson released The Red Hot about hot tamales. The Red Hot Chili Peppers would go on to cover it on their 1991 album, and I believe it's on Rock Band. Oh. I I think so. Vague memories of singing very quick lyrics about tamales. (laughs) I was always the singer in my rock band. Um, Me too, frequently. (laughs) Yeah, it was funny because I could play the guitar, but I couldn't play the rock band guitar. It's a different thing. Totally how it goes. Yes. Eventually, the hot tamales were offered all year round, and it's still a food tradition of the region, including a Delta Hot Tamale Festival. Oh, which which must be the thing that uh, that the Taqueria yeah. del Sol guy won. I believe so. Yeah, uh, yeah. That festival is the second Saturday of every October in Greenville, Mississippi. If you're looking for something to do that weekend. Oh man. I... But but apparently, get your hotel rooms early because they've sold. They like sell the whole town sells out by September. I mean, a hot tamale festival, right? Of course. (laughs) These Delta tamales may explain that Chicago hot dog cart tamale, though, because as uh, black Southerners continued immigrating to the North throughout the middle chunk of the 20th century, they brought with them food traditions like fried chicken, as we mentioned in our fried chicken episode, and perhaps these altered tamales. Perhaps. Mm. Hmm. In 1911, that's allegedly when the first written reference to tamale pie appeared. Have you ever heard of a tamale pie? Oh, yeah. Okay. Okay. I'm just making sure there's this thing people know about. I I assumed it. I I think it's a Midwestern thing. Okay. Uh, But the term was definitely around by World War I. A tamale pie, for those of you who don't know, like me, is a meat pie or a casserole that has a cornmeal crust and layers of tamale-type fillings. Although they grew popular when women were urged to conserve meat during the rations of World War II. So many of the first recipes were meatless. But these days, I think ground beef is pretty omnipresent in the Midwestern tamale pie. The tamale pie. Mm-hmm. And that is the tamale history. Yeah, that brings us more or less to the culture 
of tamales today. It does. And I've got some really cool science for you about tamales, tamale science. But first, I've got one more quick break for a word from our sponsor. This episode is brought to you by Pronamel. Not all our favorite foods and drinks are BFFs with our teeth. Salad dressing, seltzers, and fruits can be enamel enemies. So if you eat or drink those things regularly, your enamel could be at risk. And once it's gone, it's gone. Pronamel Intensive Enamel Repair penetrates deep into the enamel surface, locking in vital minerals to repair acid-weakened enamel. And with new Pronamel Repair mouthwash, you can enhance that repair beyond just brushing. Pronamel is the number one dentist-recommended brand for acid erosion, so buy Pronamel Repair anywhere you buy toothpaste or mouthwash. Visit Pronamel.com. This episode is brought to you by Delta SkyMiles Platinum American Express card. And we are what you might call food explorers. We are so lucky that a part of our job involves traveling and trying a lot of the food where we go to travel and then coming back here and telling all of you good listeners about it. And through that, we have discovered some amazing dishes. Sure, yes. Like, I had never understood what poke really could be, and it is delightful. It is stunningly good. Mm -hmm. Yeah, which we had a lot of on our trip to Hawaii. Uh, Another thing from their passion fruit I now look for in literally every menu that I read. I'm like, yep, that one has passion fruit. Going for it. And then all of the moles, and especially the green mole that you heard us talk about recently that we had in Las Vegas. In Vegas, yeah. Oh, or just steak basements. Who doesn't love a steak basement? Exactly. (laughs) Well, um, if you are like us and you're willing to travel to seek out new foods to try, you go with the Delta Sky Miles Platinum American Express card. It's for people who, like us, are in search of the next food adventure. If you travel, you know. Are you ready to share some joy and celebrate International Women's Day? M&M's has partnered with iHeart for Women Take the Mic, treating you to the most uplifting and empowering stories of women supporting and celebrating each other. And of course, there is a smooth and creamy companion for your listening pleasure, peanut butter M&M's, because they're just another way to help treat yourself in situations where you deserve a little added delight, like listening to your favorite podcast. So grab a handful of that creamy deliciousness. Kick back and spread some positivity into the world. From smashing glass ceilings to breaking records in sports, on stages, and at the box office, women are crushing it in every way imaginable. And with peanut butter M&Ms by your side, relax and keep listening to Women Take the Mic podcasts as you dance your way through inspiring stories, share laughs, and savor the deliciousness of peanut butter M&Ms and the unstoppable force of women. Happy International Women's Day. This is Tracy V. Wilson from Stuff You Missed in History Class. The national sales event is on at your Toyota dealer, making now the perfect time to get a great deal on a dependable new car. Like a legendary Camry built for performance and available with all-wheel drive, you can count on your new Camry to get anywhere you need to go. And with available features like heated seats and a multimedia touchscreen, you can stay connected in comfort and style. Or check out an affordable and reliable Corolla with a trim for every lifestyle. From the hip and agile sedan to the sporty hatchback, there's a dependable Corolla built just for you. Plus, both Camrys and Corollas are available in hybrid models, so no matter your style, you can drive efficiently and affordably. So visit your local Toyota dealer and check out amazing national sales event deals on Camrys, Corollas, and more when you visit buyatoyota.com. Toyota, let's go places. 
And we're back. Thank you, sponsor. So, Lauren. Yes? You found some tamale science. Tamale science. Yeah, okay. Um, there's some serious science to tamales because of the way that the corn flour is made, the, the masa. Because you're not just using, like, regular old ground-up bits of cornmeal. Um, in, in Spanish, that would be harina de maize, um, flour from corn. To make tamales and tortillas and arepas and corn chips, you use masa, or masa harina, meaning dough or dough flour. Masa is still made from corn, but it's corn that's been treated in a process called nishtamalization. Nishtamalization? Nishtamalization. So, the, the, the field corn used to make masa is not as tender as the sweet corn that we would eat right off the ear, that the hulls or, or endosperms of its kernels are tough and too fibrous to make for good dough. So, before corn for masa is ground down into flour, you want to de-hull it, which is in itself a tough problem because the hull is, is just really stuck on there. So, you simmer your corn kernels in water. And the key is that you treat the water with an alkalizer, usually lime or lye, or lime the mineral, not the citrus. Back in the day, folks might have used uh, wood ash or oyster shells in their cooking water. But mm. these days, you can just get the chemical. Yeah. So the heat and water soften the hull, and the alkalinity starts breaking down the tissue of the kernel underneath, which unsticks the hull from, from the rest of the kernel. You can then uh, rub or wash the hulls off, and the treated kernels that you are left with will be big and porous and less tough and thus easier to grind up. Mm-hmm. This is hominy. Oh. By the way, um, the Nahuatl word for which was nextamali, which became the Spanish nishtamal. In the American South, hominy is what's ground up to make grits. Mm-hmm. And hominy is also the corn bits in pozole, if you've ever had a pozole stew right. or soup. Um, also, a specific large kernel species of corn is used to make the snack corn nuts from oh. hominy. <laughs> My dad loves hominy. And oh. as a kid, I, I would mention it sometimes in passing, and no one ever knew what it was. I My, my grandmother kept like giant cans of hominy, but I could like it was it was sort of gooey almost in texture, like a like it was a little bit uh-huh. it's supposed to be gelatinous. That's kind of the point. But when it's canned, oh, I don't know. Okay. It was always really like bland and oh. just oozy. The face Lauren is making <laughs> it's not a good one. It was not it is I, not a good one. So I so I grew up with with this strong dislike for hominy, but now I'm like, oh it Hominy's makes all good. the best food. Hominy's good stuff. Uh, okay. <laughs> Future episode. Yeah. Oh. Back to tamales. Back science. to tamales. Yeah. Um. B- because, you know, so this is pretty cool. Mm-hmm. But wait, there's more. 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 It turns out that this process in breaking down the tissue of of the corn kernel a little bit, it makes nutrients like protein, calcium, and niacin—that's vitamin B three—more readily available for us to digest when we eat it. It's also uh, it also converts some of corn's starches into dietary fiber. So masa is more nutritious than plain old corn. Ooh, and hominy too. And this process is what gives masa its stickiness. Uh, the process messes with the structure of the starches in the corn, uh, gelatinizing them, and releases some emulsifiers from the tissue and adds some of that calcium into the mix. Meaning that when you grind the nishtamalized corn down into flour, the the particles are more willing to to link up with each other. More willing to be best buds. Yeah. Cool. 
It can also reduce or destroy some of the toxins that contaminate corn infested with certain types of fungus. Oh, that is pretty cool. Yeah. Yeah. And it changes the flavor a little bit. Uh, Nishtamalization creates compounds that uh, can taste or smell like Concord grapes, violets, and spice. Grapes, violets, and spice. Uh, Masaharina is flour that's made like this and then flash-dried to preserve it. It can be made from white or yellow corn, and it's great as a thickener in soups and stews. It's often available in grocery stores, and if you've got a Central American market in your town, they may carry masa preparada, which is prepared dough that's freshly made and ready to be put to use. Ooh. Mm -hmm. And this brings us more or less to the end of our tamale episode. The end. The end. I know, but oh. but may I may I leave us with a with a little bit of folk wisdom? Please do. Okay. There's a saying in Mexico: "Para todo mal, un tamal; para todo bien, también." Which translates to: When everything sucks, have a tamale. When everything's good, do the same thing. <laughs> Tamales are great. I can get behind that, right? <laughs> I've, I've also seen the saying with mezcal instead of tamales. Yeah. So I guess, you know, whatever works for you. But I, I think both are fine pieces oh, of advice. absolutely. <laughs> I, I've been—I didn't know this was a saying, but I feel like I've been following it <laughs> not knowing. <laughs> Bad day, have some chocolate. Yeah. Good day, have some chocolate. Yeah. <laughs> Regular day, you know what? Probably chocolate. <laughs> yeah. Chocolate. Yeah. Hopefully, I mean, I can't wait to try tamale, but who knows? Maybe I will be enjoying many a tamale in my day. I hope so. I hope so. <laughs> and this brings us to Listener Mail. It's kind of ghostly. It was. And there was a lot of like, oh, hand gestures. Very interesting. <laughs> This is a scientific experiment. We should be recording, video recording this. <laughs> What's going on? Are we being slowly possessed Ooh. as we continue through food stuff? Oh, no. Slowly possessed by our listeners. That actually sounds pretty good. Most of y'all are pretty okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Pretty awesome. Pretty awesome. <laughs> um, here is something from Sam who wrote in about our episode on salt. You mentioned an aphorism regarding the devil and salt. That quote traces back to Jean Baudin's On the Demon Mania of Witches, published in 1580. In chapter 5, he states, The devil loveth no salt in his meat. Huh. Baudin's work was widely influential, cited in Scott's Discovery of Witchcraft and James' Demonology, as well as providing fodder for Matthew Hopkins and other witch hunters. Huh. Yeah. That's pretty cool. Yeah. And I guess it makes it makes sense as like a folklore kind of tradition since salt helps preserve the meat, so the devil wouldn't want yeah. something good. That's like true. Salt hanging out. Yeah. Maybe. Um, and we are planning on our foodstuff fictional fictional what what's a good name for it? Right now I have it as fantasy foods, but that's not what it is. <laughs> but it's short stories with food in them, like fairy oh, tales. Right. Um anything like this. So preferably in the public domain. Please send us those things. Yeah, yeah. If there are any other stories like that that you know about that are about food that are that, that we could we could do dramatic retellings of. We would love to. We if you if you couldn't tell from our listener mail <laughs> uh, <laughs> announcements, we we're into drama. We like doing some some readings. Yes. Some flourish. We add flourish to things. 
<laughs> as does as does our super producer Dylan. Yes, yes. yes. We're also we're, we're always uh, pleasantly surprised when there's little little yeah uh, sprinklings of sound effects in here. <laughs> Those are all him. Anyway, mm-hmm. uh, Shai wrote, and I really hope I just said your name right. We looked it up, or Annie looked it up, and she told me. Um, <laughs> when I heard you request more photos of pets with food names, I just had to send you a photo of our little Siamese cat, Chino, as in cappuccino. This is short for baby Chino, a beverage that I believe originated from my home country of Australia. Coffee is a very important part of socializing in Australia, so when parents would visit their favorite cafes, they wanted a way to include their children in the experience, and thus this beverage was born. As much as it is a skill to make a great cup of coffee, the same can be said for a good baby chino. Here is a wonderful description from an article I came across. With each baby chino, we use a separate jug of fresh cold milk solely for the one drink. The milk is prepared by a professional to be consistent on every visit with the right amount of silky texture, the right temperature, and then rested before production for the texture to settle into a head. The head is pushed from the jug into a piccolo glass to the top, then the top is dusted with chocolate, and cold milk is poured to puff the top up while also ensuring the drink is cool for the customer. Finished with another dollop of silken texture on the top to form a shiny white circle on the top. Hmm. Goodness. Uh, When my wife first saw our curled-up little rescue kitten, the first thing she said was that it looked just like a baby chino, all white with a light dusting of chocolate. It was such a perfect description that we couldn't think of anything else to name him. And the picture was precious. Oh, Chino. And also, um, he sent a picture of the baby chino, and it was also... I, very cute. And I can't believe I've never seen anything like that around here. I, I don't think like a coffee for children. <laughs> yeah. Like, a, right. No, me neither. Yeah. But I, I love it. That's great. Um, oh. Yes. And please, as always, we're still looking for <laughs> your pictures of pets with food names. Or just, or just your regular pets. Yeah. I mean, I mean really, we're not going to turn down. No. Any, we're any not going to be like, oh, man, that's a crap dog. No. <laughs> No. Dog with a non-food name. Get it's out terrible. of here. <laughs> we don't <laughs> no. want you. No, no, no. Um, it's probably been one of the best things that we've ever done. Suggested. Yeah. I mean, in my lifetime, outside oh, of food stuff. Just yeah, yeah. In general. No, that's, that's peak. That's peak. <laughs> yeah, peak. peak Annie. <laughs> We're peaking right now. Um, thank you to both of them for writing. You too can write to us. Our email is foodstuff at howstuffworks.com. We're also on social media. You can find us on Facebook and Twitter at foodstuffhsw. We're also on Instagram at foodstuff. We hope to hear from you. Thank you so much to our producer, Dylan Fagan, for being with us and doing this thing that we call podcasting. Yes, and he's got a, a podcast of his own now. You should oh, go check it out. Goodness, yes, it's called the Question Booth, and uh, and they they invited me onto the first episode. It's it's a show about about answering the big questions, and mm-hmm. they do that through getting interview material from the general public. We've got a we've got a sound booth set up here in Palm City Market, where our offices are located. Yep. And so Friday, Saturday, and Sunday, you can go and answer questions yes. if you happen to be in the Atlanta area. Mm-hmm. And they they invited me on for their first episode to talk about uh, why people are mean. Yes, and it's—I don't want to spoil it, but uh, definitely worth a listen. <laughs> <laughs> I, all of it's lovely, but uh, Lauren's cameo is particularly oh. Oh. interesting <laughs> in a good way. Thank you. Yes. Thank you. I talk about my time moderating— the How Stuff Works YouTube channels. Mm-hmm. 
Anyway. Yeah. Thank you. Uh, so, yeah, go, go, go check that out. Um, thank you for listening to us. And we hope that lots more good things are coming your way. This episode is brought to you by Pronamel. Not all our favorite foods and drinks are BFFs with our teeth. Salad dressing, seltzers, and fruits can be enamel enemies. So if you eat or drink those things regularly, your enamel could be at risk. And once it's gone, it's gone. Pronamel Intensive Enamel Repair penetrates deep into the enamel surface, locking in vital minerals to repair acid-weakened enamel. And with new Pronamel Repair mouthwash, you can enhance that repair beyond just brushing. Pronamel is the number one dentist-recommended brand for acid erosion, so buy Pronamel Repair anywhere you buy toothpaste or mouthwash. Visit Pronamel.com. This is Holly Fry from Stuff You Missed in History Class. The national sales event is on at your Toyota dealer, making now the perfect time to get a great deal on a dependable new SUV, like an adventure-ready RAV4. Available with all-wheel drive, your new RAV4 is built for performance on any terrain. Or check out a stylish and comfortable Highlander. With seating for up to eight passengers and available panoramic moonroof, you can sit back and enjoy the wide-open views with the whole family. Check out more national sales event deals when you visit buyatoyota.com. Toyota, let's go places. Did you know that most salads travel over 2,000 miles to reach your plate, but not with 80 Acres Farms? Their crisp salad greens and herbs are food less traveled, going from farm to store in days, not weeks. They stay fresher for longer in your fridge. My salad lasts all week long, which means less food waste and easy meal planning. Oh, and did I mention there's no need to wash these greens? Because 80 Acres Farms uses zero pesticides. Visit 80acresfarms.com to learn more and find their salads and salad kits at your local Harris Teeter. Hey there, it's Ryan Seacrest for Safeway. Head in store and shop for all your favorite personal care essentials to earn four times rewards points. Shop for products from Olay, Always, Gillette, Vicks, and Crest. Plus, check out new items like Mr. Clean Magic Eraser Ultra Thick Multi-Surface Cleaner. No more sponges or other cleaning products needed. And Head & Shoulders Bare Soothing Hydration Shampoo, a new kind of anti-dandruff shampoo with only nine ingredients. Offer expires March 26. Restrictions apply. Promotions may vary. Visit Safeway.com for more details.